have an opportunity to work together with the Johns Hopkins Health System in evolving the way that together as a, a provider-sponsored health plan, we can do what's, what's right for the member. Hello, welcome to Healthcare Collaborations, presented by Johns Hopkins Healthcare, a podcast all about redefining the value of health insurance through provider collaboration. In this episode, we welcome the AVP of Network Management for Johns Hopkins Healthcare, Janice Henry. Janice plays a critical role in building and strengthening JHHC's provider network. In our conversation, we discuss how being a provider-sponsored health plan creates a family dynamic between the payer and provider partners. That entrenched collaboration allows JHHC to think local, then global. Janice also discusses the importance of value-based care initiatives and how telemedicine became a critical source of care for patients. All right, I'm here with Janice Henry. She's our AVP of Network Management for Johns Hopkins Healthcare. Janice, I just want to get a little bit about yourself. Uh, what led you to where you are, a little bit about your background, and, and what led you here to JHHC? Good afternoon, Chris, and thank you for the invitation to meet with you. I'm originally from Massachusetts, and I began my healthcare with Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Massachusetts, and I've worked predominantly with a lot of local health plans in, in that state. And I did not know at the time that I was going to remain with healthcare for quite some time. But it, it interests me, obviously, because it, it's so multifaceted. It offers you insight into uh, managed care, uh, members, providers, finance, legal with the contract language. And because it was so multifaceted, I just drew to that particular career. Towards uh, my end, the end of my time in Massachusetts, I uh, worked for Anthem, which is a large national plan, and I was promoted to work uh, in their Connecticut office as the executive director of Provider Solutions. And there, I really just delved into a lot more uh, contract as it evolved over time with value-based in particular. And when this position became available with Johns Hopkins, I thought, what a great opportunity to work for such a well-known institution. Uh, and be able to apply all that I've learned in my career as well. So the fact that I had family down here made it even much more attractive. And I was just thrilled, really honored to be with such an outstanding organization. That's great. I know that Johns Hopkins Healthcare is, is happy to have you and you join an emerging leadership team. A lot of new a lot of new employees on this leadership team. And I think it's taking the organization in, in, a, in an upward direction, which is exciting to see. And I'm sure it's exciting to be a part of that as well. What's, what's, what do you consider the best part of your job or what's something that you love about the work that you do? I, there's several aspects of my job that, that really rewards me. For one, just knowing that I belong to a culture that aligns with my own values and principles just makes me excited to get up every day to be a Johns Hopkins employee. Uh, I do like working with my staff, mentoring and coaching employees. I, I definitely think um, I, I enjoy that, that aspect of my work. But more importantly, it, it's really being on the front line uh, of an organization that's committed to providing quality care to our members. In Johns Hopkins, they're located right in the heart of the city, and it's emblematic of, of their commitment to doing what's right for the members. And so I'm just excited every day to work for an organization that, again, aligns with my principles and is committed to serving their members, especially those who are marginalized and 
disenfranchised, doing what's best for them overall. And you mentioned Johns Hopkins as a whole, the, the health system, and that's Johns Hopkins Healthcare being the, the managed care, the health insurance arm of, of the health system. That's kind of a theme. The primary theme of this podcast is our relationship with the health system being a provider-sponsored health plan and the collaboration that, that ensues as a result of that. So uh, for those unfamiliar, provider-sponsored health plans are fully or majority owned by a hospital health system or other provider facility. JHHC is an example of a PSP. We're co-owned by Johns Hopkins Health System and the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. So that relationship between the clinical and the management sides kind of creates a mutual accountability, greater collaboration that isn't necessarily as innate to traditional non-provider sponsored health plans. So uh, Janice, I know you've worked with both provider sponsored health plans and traditional non-provider sponsored health plans. In, in working with PSPs and, and now at, at, at JHHC as part of um, Johns Hopkins, what do you see, what advantage do you see as, as kind of inherent to PSPs that, that separate it from your, from your traditional um, non-PSPs? It's actually the collaboration piece that you just mentioned, Chris, because that, that's, that's critical in order for us to be uh, innovative, creative, and, it, and advanced in all of that we're doing. The fact that we can come to, t- to the table with the leaders of the healthcare organization, as well as some of the leaders with the providers that we're, we're working with. Uh, that is a game changer for us. We have that direct influence from our provider community to get feedback and, and to be able to have them guide us as to what's working, how, how best can we engage the provider community at large, what are some of the, the, the changes we need to make in terms of a healthcare organization, not just with um, the, the products that we offer, but again, the servicing of the member community we have an opportunity to work together with the Johns Hopkins health system in evolving the way that together as a, a provider-sponsored health plan, we can do what's, what's right for the member. I think coming here, one of the words that I heard most often was, it's part of the family. We're part of the family. And, you know, the Johns Hopkins enterprise with the healthcare system as well as the healthcare company, it is a family-type business in that we're working together for the same goal. And that's what's unique and distinguishes us from the traditional health plan. Yeah, and you you mentioned too when you were talking about your background and being with Anthem, and just as Johns Hopkins is a national and an international healthcare facility health system, it's also very local. Uh, the Johns Hopkins healthcare element is very local. We're not a national health plan. Most of the members that we serve are in the the Maryland or the immediately surrounding states. What's that like? being going from something that had such a wide reach, a national reach as a health plan to something that's a little more local. And you talk about that family atmosphere. Is, is, that, um, is that something that you like being a part of? It's definitely something I like being a part of. You know, with some of the large national health plans, I see them as the large ocean liner. And what the issue with these large ocean liners, they don't really maneuver and pivot very well. But Johns Hopkins, because of its size and its local presence, we can pivot. We know our customers. We know our customers very well. We are moving amongst our customers. We can engage with our customers uh, and we're part of the community where where our customers live in. So it it really affords us an opportunity to be more nimble, to be more agile, and to pivot for changes when necessary because of our our size. And that, that certainly is an appealing factor. So that, that agility is, is something that, that is uh, very important in provider sponsored health plans have that agility as well, just in that collaboration. And they have uh, an ability to shape the direction of healthcare too, but between when you do merge the clinical and the management side. And one critical shift 
is the evolution from fee-for-service arrangements to value-based care arrangements. As a whole, to you, what does that mean for the advancement of healthcare? Yeah, there definitely is a broad push for more value-based contracts, and this is across the healthcare landscape. And it's exciting to know that Johns Hopkins Healthcare is a part of that movement. We are really in the midst of transitioning from fee-for-service to more value-based care. And we've already begun a pilot program with the Johns Hopkins Health System. We're looking to build on that and really incorporate a a larger suite of services for our value-based initiatives. You know, COVID change, it's a game changer. COVID has transformed the way that we do business, particularly because with fee-for-service arrangements, you really rely on a lot of volume. And with COVID, we didn't have a lot of members going to see their providers. Uh, with some of the value-based arrangements, uh, for instance, with capitation, there's much more reliability on a budget. Um, you, you don't have the predictability of depending on volume. It's more of having a budget and demonstrating that you can deliver on some of the metrics, whether it's quality, utilization, or with the budget, and ensure that you're delivering that quality care for a member. It's more meaningful. Uh, we benefit from those arrangements. Our members benefit from those arrangements. And we want to make certain that we are competitive as well. We do see that some of the other plans have these initiatives in place already. And we are, we want to be at the forefront of that change. And I think the fact that we're collaborating with Johns Hopkins and refining some of our value-based programs will definitely position us for strength and growth and certainly help our market to grow along the way. You mentioned how JHHC is doing right now in that and in the movement as a whole for the industry. What's happening right now at JHHC to, to further that transition and, and what sort of are we focused on doing to pursue value-based care even more into the future? There are a lot of components to value-based care in order for us to be successful. We definitely have the quality piece. We also have the reporting capabilities. We have the finance and we have the, the providers that have to be engaged with us. I would say the one area that we could focus on, and we are focusing on a great deal more, is with the reporting capabilities, the technology, in order to ensure that our providers have the reports that are meaningful, that are timely, and are relevant. We're transforming the way that we are are designing our reports and and certainly sharing with our provider community. And I would say that it's a problem that's not unique to Johns Hopkins. It's a problem that's across the board for a lot of our providers to be able to deliver timely reports that really can help guide our providers in, in outreaching to our members, transforming the care, and managing the population health of our uh, members at large. Uh, I, I do see that the, the, the fact that Johns Hopkins is allocating a great deal more resources to reporting capabilities and have really made this um, central part of our corporate initiative to move forward in the future we're really looking to strengthen this opportunity. And I just see that we're positioning ourselves for greater growth um, along the way. And one method of kind of pursuing that value-based care, uh, pushing that value-based care forward is incentives. Providers are incentivized by outcomes and controlling conditions. How do we as JHHC and, and on the network management side help providers attain those incentives as a result of improved health outcomes? Yeah, money talks. You you put money on the table and and certainly providers and everyone else would be interested. And what we want to do is we want to ensure that we are incentivizing them appropriately. 
we want to establish stretch goals. We want to make the providers earn it because in earning the, um, the reward or the bonuses, again, it ties back to the member. So when we look at quality measures, we want to look at those areas where they're underperforming and set standards for them to exceed or meet certain targets. When we're looking at some of the utilization, again, we want to focus on those areas where we see that there's an opportunity to work with our members more closely to have better results. And it's very deliberate that we're, when we negotiate our contracts with providers, we're looking for them to transform the way that they conduct their business. And we're more particularly looking for them in really understanding what's happening with our members and how we can work together, because it's all about collaboration. We want not just to provide these incentives for them, but ensure that we're working with them, collaborating with them, partnering with them to really transform the cares of our members so that ultimately we're all going to be benefiting from the, the results of the program. So our incentives, yes, there are incentives, but they're tied to measures for the providers to really demonstrate an effective change uh, for our member population. Yeah, and that goes back to to the the ability of of that collaboration. I want to shift now to to another end of that collaboration and something that's really come on big in the last year and a half, especially, but has been emerging with the advent of of digital transformation in healthcare is telemedicine. It's another key component of influence that that payers have in that relationship is is taking that that uh, technology and, and telemedicine to the next level. When the pandemic hit, JHHC really ramped up its offerings of telemedicine. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that process, what that was like to, you mentioned being agile, to be agile and create that that sort of system or, or build on an, on an existing telemedicine system to, to get to where we are now and, and, to, and to deliver healthcare in a, in a new or in a way that was sort of necessary at the time and, and will be necessary moving forward. Right. So COVID did disrupt the conventional way that we operate business. It, it is very common for members to walk into a provider's office and get the care. But with COVID, there was no going to the doctor's office visits. There was no bringing your child in the office for the wellness. And so like many other health plans, we had to be innovative and look to the telehealth medicine um, vendors in order for us to ensure that we were still meeting with our members in a meaningful way. The transition to telemedicine was quite easy with our organization. We had physician champions who really were advocates for telemedicine. And so when providers understood the importance of going back even to some of their performance um, in order to really close the gaps in care and ensure they were still having encounters with our members, telemedicine stepped up and filled that gap for us. But I, I think telemedicine is here to stay. You know, it's a disruption that really has transformed the way we do business. And it's here for the long haul. We do see, too, that there are a lot of new entrants uh, in our um, healthcare arena, a lot of new providers that want to offer telemedicine-type services, whereby it is those digital capabilities where they're still meeting uh, with providers just through your apps or meeting with members rather through your apps and, and other technology devices. My only concern with this, this push for telemedicine is that there are a, a section of our members that there's this disparity in health. They just don't have access to technology. And so while it, it is here for the long haul, we have to be cognizant of the fact that not everyone has 
the access to technology and telemedicine. So we have to make sure that we're making some of these services available for the disenfranchised or those who might be marginalized as well, so that we can continue to provide that quality of care to them. We can continue the, the continuum of care when uh, there is a disruption as, as COVID has been for us. And another advantage of telemedicine is, is the ability to access it almost anywhere and can do it privately. And that kind of lends into something that I know you've expressed before with, with expanding it to behavioral health services and really increasing the adoption of that. Um, I, I know you see that as a priority. Can you talk to talk about that a little bit? Without a doubt. I, I think, you know, 2020, not just with COVID, but a lot of, 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 of what we had to endure <clears throat> just really augmented the, the need for more BH services. And, you know, other health plans are challenged with getting a number of our qualified behavioral health providers. And I think with telemedicine, that is another medium for us to be able to expand our network of behavioral health providers. Uh, This is becoming an increasingly uh, necessary service, uh, even for the young, not just for for, for, um, the old, but it certainly is an issue that applies to all various ages. And we are, Johns Hopkins is very much vested in ensuring that we can provide comprehensive telemedicine services, not just for the medical field, but also for the behavioral health field. It's definitely a nice supplement to our existing network. Everybody in healthcare wants to shift the perception, the the stigma of behavioral health to not being a weakness, but a strength. And I think that the more adoption that telemedicine gets for the purpose of behavioral health, the, the stronger that that will be, the more adoption utilization we'll start to see with members and patients for that. I, I want to go back a little bit to, to the collaboration um, with providers and uh, everything that we've talked about here between telemedicine, value-based care, and, and, and everything that happens in the conversations between the management side and the clinical delivery side. When you and your team and other JHHC colleagues are collaborating with providers on the priorities that we've talked about, what does that actually look like? How does that collaboration happen? What, what's critical for us to have meaningful conversations with our provider is presenting them with data. We want to be able to give them uh, a look and a glimpse, rather, of what their membership looks like and where we see that they're actually performing well versus where we believe there are opportunities. So we start with that. We start with the the data. We also want to make certain that we are collaborating with the decision makers. We have to ensure that we've got the right individuals at the table, those who can influence uh, the providers that we are contracted with so that we can see a shift in the behavior and they can move the needle in terms of where they need to perform. So we do ask when we go out, and this is something we're looking to enhance in in the coming weeks and months as well, we're going to set expectations with our providers in terms of how we would like for them to work with us. We want to make sure that it's not just a conversation with our contracting team, but it's also a conversation with our clinical team and other stakeholders who really are helping to work with our members and um, transform the care for our members. So the collaboration, too, is meeting them where they are. What is it that you're doing well, and where are the areas that you need us to help you? And so when we want to partner with providers, it's coming together, working together, collaborating, and finding out solutions that we could really look to strengthen their performance overall 
and have that direct impact on the population we serve. So those are currently underway, and we're really excited because, you know, being, being this physician-owned plan, you get to start off with family. And, and with family, they tell you the truth. They, they let you know what's working versus what's not working. And so when we have that direct feedback from the Johns Hopkins Healthcare, we can then transform and transition into making sure that our other providers are getting that same kind of uh, level of support that's necessary in order for them to succeed. Great, sort of that local then global approach uh, to, to take what, what we can yeah. with, with our direct collaboration and apply it as broadly as as we can. That's that's really what I want to touch on with you today, Janice. And, and I thank you so much for all of those insights and the time that you took to share them. I, I want to give you a chance if there's any final thoughts that you want to provide, any any follow-ups to anything that we talked about, anything that, that you'd like to reinforce. No, Chris, I thank you again just for this time to meet with you. Excellent. Yeah, we appreciate you having us and, and uh, all the work that you're doing at JHHC to enhance that collaboration, ultimately to the benefit of the members and patients who, who see Johns Hopkins providers and, and who see uh, the providers throughout the state within our network. And ultimately, that's what it's all about is improving the health outcomes and, and uh, member and patient experience. And, and we appreciate your role in that. So thank you very much for joining us. Thank you again. to thank Janice for taking the time to visit with us. She gave us a different look at the direct collaboration that helps shape a health plan's provider network and strengthen quality of care. I especially like the perspective of the Hopkins family, how JHHC and the Johns Hopkins Health System leverage a tight mutual partnership to develop and pilot initiatives that can be applied globally across the entire network. If you'd like to continue the conversation, we developed a companion article to this episode. We'll link to the article in the description. In our next episode, we'll visit with Kumar Subramaniam, Vice President of Innovation Ventures and Solutions for JHHC. Kumar leads a team that helps Johns Hopkins faculty and providers turn their research and ideas into products and bring them to the market. It's an interesting conversation about the fascinating collaboration that has produced the world's leading population health analytics tool and other solutions that improve mental health care, diabetes management, and more. Join us next time for that discussion.